0: Welcome to Sports Bites, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Now get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 15. In this episode, I'm going to break down all the action from the big top 25 matchups, along with my thoughts on the season moving forward. I will go over my give them a six or six picks, tell you how I did on the college games and also, I found a new website, and I think it's going to be great, especially for the people that I have um, that listen, my friends uh, that listen all the time out in Oklahoma that are getting ready to come out to SEC area. I think this website's really going to help you, um, but we're going to talk about some of the best stadium foods out there, uh, college food, uh, college stadiums, NFL stadiums. We'll dive into I'm trying to get the creator of the website to come on. Hopefully, he'll come on, and we can kind of get uh, into some really good stadium food talk with him, but... Diving into the action from the weekend, we'll start with two games that I did a breakdown for that don't involve a pair of top 25 teams. First, I'll talk about my Sooners. They go on the road at Nippert Stadium taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats in the Big 12 opener. Cincinnati, of course, you know, they're making their season, uh, they're making their debut in the Big 12, right? And they're doing it against the Stated Bear in the Big 12 Conference. And I had a very uneasy feeling going into the game because it's usually against quarterbacks like this is where Oklahoma has had problems and they have let these types of quarterbacks have career day. Emory Jones, of course, a highly recruited quarterback out of LaGrange, Georgia, went to Florida, was at Arizona State, now at Cincinnati. You know, athletic, can run with the ball. And I just had, I have envisioned, you know, having issues with running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, and letting them have a big day. But he was under pressure most of the day by this invigorated Oklahoma defense led by Danny Stutzman. And one thing I'm going to say about this defense, there's not a lot of running around pre-snap looking like they don't know where they're going, and they can tackle. Okay, that's the one. I only count, I have to go back and really scrutinize maybe two missed tackles, and I think it was on the same play by two guys. But other than that, the defense has really stepped up. And and here's what I don't like here. Well, they're not really playing anybody. Okay, maybe not. But in the past, they were giving up 30 and 40 points to these people who weren't that good. So there's marked improvement. Am I saying they're going to win the national championship? No. Do I think they're going to beat Texas? I don't know if I can even say that. I mean, there's a lot to see. You know, we'll talk Texas. They have to play Kansas this week. Big win for the Jayhawks. Oklahoma's got Iowa State. It'll be interesting. But I think Oklahoma has a chance to play for the Big 12 championship. The only thing I was kind of disappointed to me that stood out, and and I'm seeing some stuff, you know, I know he was injured a little bit, but Deshaun McCullough, he was still second on the team with seven tackles. But there were some times, uh, especially early on, like in the wheel route when he got lost, he looked a little heavy-footed, a little bit slow. Now, again, I'm, you're talking to a guy who runs like a tugboat, so I'm not trying to say that he's not athletic. But for in coverage in that position, I don't know if it was a matchup. I think he got beat by a tight end. So even then, I would like to think he could run with the tight end a little bit better. But all in all, you know, the defense, I really can't say, you know, any bad things. I think they did a really good job. Did not break. They only gave up two field goals. Um, Cincinnati missed another field goal, but they've only no more than 17 points in in four games. It's been a long time since OU fans can talk about defense that way. A long time. The offense is still good. Wide receiver group is a lot better than I thought. There was a lot of questions going into this year, you know, with Mims being gone. But, man, how did Michigan let Andrew Anthony go? I'll never know. But Nick Anderson, he's stepping up. Jalil Farouk, Drape Stoops, Gavin Freeman. Hell, they really haven't even used Stogner in the tight ends yet. I'm waiting for that to happen, you know, midway through this year, really start to get them going. The run game is is a bit of a concern. Who's going to be the main running back? And I don't know if I I need to know who's like running back one. It's just with some of the people that are in that running back room not getting any playing time. I just wonder if that's going to ruffle some feathers. We know how today's game is when the transfer portal opens up. Is Oklahoma going to lose some of those people from that room? Now, I saw Gavin Sawchuck's father very shortly after the game Posted a little gif on X. That was kind of like a guy looking like, shaking his head like, okay, I see. I would imagine a reference to not seeing the field. I think he was on a, on a kick coverage one time. But other than that, that that's it. You know, highly touted running back out of Colorado. We saw what he did last year in the It Bowl against Florida State. I, I don't know. I mean, Marcus Major got the bulk of the carries. Against Cincinnati. I I just, maybe they're looking for matchups and see who might be the best fit against a certain team. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how that running game moves going forward Uh, and if they do lose anybody in the portal. Now, of course, Saturday night's a night game. Uh, they're at the uh, the Palace on the Prairie, and Iowa State comes into town. Matt Campbell struggling. Now, they did beat Oklahoma State last week, scoring a ton of points. I mean, they only scored seven on Ohio, but scored almost 40. But it's Iowa State before heading into Hate Texas Week. I'll try to get Sean Clinch, or one of the guys from the uh, stores from Inside the Band Cave, on to talk about Oklahoma, Texas as we head in to uh, OU Texas Week. And that'll be the debate. Is it OU Texas Week? Is it Texas OU Week? No, it's OU Texas Week. Talk about that. Some of my best times at the Texas fair covered in the game. The seven-game losing streak to the Tigers is now over for Florida State. Man, the Seminoles, they pulled out a close victory for the second straight week beating Clemson 31-24. Jordan Travis led the team on the road in a very hostile environment and left with a victory, and and it's going to keep the the Seminoles' playoff hunt alive. Travis ended the day 21-37, 289 yards and two touchdowns, none bigger than that clutch touchdown in overtime that he hit. Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer, the offense really had a hard time to get the ground game going, uh, only matching 22 yards, which kind of surprised me. I thought, with what I saw Duke do against Clemson, that Florida State was going to be able to have similar success, but not so. The, you know, the Clemson offense played pretty well up until the end. You know, the, the last bit of the fourth quarter in overtime, but Cade Klubnick got destroyed on a blitz by Kalen DeLoach, and then he picked it up, raced it in 56 yards to tie the game. You know, and, and I, I thought, here we go. Everything that's happened, the storybook ending it's gonna come down and it's gonna the fairies are gonna sprinkle that magic dust on Dabo Sweeney again. They drove down the field to set up a 30yard field goal with 149 left and you know we heard the story of the new kicker Jonathan Whites. He had left the team before the season started was the backup for four years. He was at home doing a master's degree program online getting ready to take a job in finance in New York. But the Clemson Tigers had had kicking issues this year. So Dabo reaches out, calls him, has him come back to the team. So, okay. Whites comes back. They're so showing his family in the stands, the whole, in a little box, the whole game. Kicks a field goal early, 30 to nothing. You know, the family's going nuts. They're loving it. Then it comes to clutch time. Can he be the hero? 30 yards out. And he pushes it left. And it just, it was, it was like, oh, the gut punch. You know, you see the surrender Cobras up in the stands. People's mouths agape. Florida State couldn't do anything. It goes into overtime. They get the, Florida State gets the ball first. I think it was an incomplete pass on the first play, and then Jordan Travis hits Keon Coleman for a 25-yard touchdown. They got bottled up on their next possession. Now Clemson with two losses in the ACC, losing to Duke and to Florida State. So Florida State now, they have a week off before three straight home games. And I'll start with Virginia Tech. Um And Virginia Tech just lost to Marshall. Not not good for Virginia Tech. Not good. You know, this game that I'm going to talk about now had a lot of people talking. Good, bad. Those that love seeing Coach Prime, what he's doing. Those that hope for his demise and seeing his team lose. I don't understand the, you know, the hate. You know, people do what they want to do. You know, Dan Lanning waited until the right time to really let his most scathing comments out and i get it you're trying to you're trying to coach your team you know you're trying to get them fired up i won't say i didn't like it was kind of shady i don't know i don't approve of how he used this message and when he said it because to me it seemed like he wanted to say it but wanted to wait until before it got to oregon or got to colorado and this was dan Landing pregame the cinderella story is over man right they're fighting for clicks we're fighting for wins there's a difference they're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins, and I think that attack is. Just, I mean, it's it, to me, it's petty. I know you're doing what you need to do to, you know, to fire your your team up, saying the hype machine. Yeah, everybody got behind Dion in Colorado. He brought a lot of attention in, but I promise you, he's not he's not worried about clicks. Yes, he has his own team, but that's where everybody's going to look around any major university and see how many people now. Work in their social media department for the University of Alabama football program, for Oklahoma, for any of these big programs. Their social media presence is a money maker for them, and also with NIL. So it all comes into it, and you know, for Oregon to talk about all this hype stuff when you're predicated on uniforms and having all the crazy, just I, I, it didn't set well with me. Now, I, I had a feeling Oregon was the better team going in and that it was gonna be a tough start, you know, a tough stretch for for Colorado, playing Oregon, playing USC. I think I said it early, like I would imagine them going three 0 and then probably dropping two in a row. And it's clear that the offensive line is a big issue, and they can't compete with top quality defensive lines. And I don't even and I don't even know if I would consider Oregon a top defensive line. Shador Sanders had no time during the entire game. I mean, it was like he he got the snap. He's running all over the place. Oregon came, Oregon came out, but like they were shot out of a can. It was 35 to nothing at half, and it didn't even feel that close. You know, Shador had his worst day as a quarterback at Colorado. Still completed 23 of 33, but only for 159 yards, one touchdown late in the game. Bo Nix, in his 17th year playing college football, had a hell of a day. 276 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And, you know, the people are like, well, you know, Travis Hunter wasn't there. Travis Hunter's not stopping the offensive line from coming in, or the defensive line. They're not helping. He, Travis Hunter there would not have changed the outcome of that game. I'm sorry. And I think Travis Hunter is amazing for what he's doing. He would not have changed the outcome of the game. The Ducks outgained Colorado 522 yards to 199. Oregon had seven sacks on the day. Next up for Colorado. An early ride. They will have to kick off at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday to be part of Fox Big Noon Kickoff, and they're going to get the defending Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. They struggled against Arizona State late Saturday night. That Alex Grinch defense. Oregon will have to travel to the farm to take on Stanford. But Coach Prime was asked, you know, afterwards, and I love how he responded. It was a good old-fashioned butt whooping. He didn't try to make excuses. He so said they were well coached. They were well prepared. But I love what he had to say towards the end of his press conference. One thing that I could say honestly and candidly, you better get me right now. This is the worst we're going to be. You better get me right now. And I I think it's right. I think he's right. You better get him now. Because how many young men are going to want to start playing for him? Top talent. Top offensive, defensive line talent. They want to start going to Colorado. If he could get him. I just, once he starts getting hit, and he said it. He said it a couple weeks ago. He said, I'm about... Seven or eight dogs away, but get them now, because this is the worst they're going to be. But, I mean, it was an absolute shellacking 42-6, to and Oregon just just walked all through them. Um, Oregon looked really good. Colorado just really couldn't get anything going. Another Pac-12 game, the number 11 Utah Utes without Cam rising once again, but the defense stepped up, led the way to a 14-7 victory over the UCLA Bruins. Utah's defense got the party started quick with a pick six on the very first play of the game. Freshman quarterback, Dante Moore, tried to throw like a quick slant out there. And uh, Karini Reed for Utah stepped in front of the pass and pretty much walked in from 21 yards out. It was a defensive struggle. Neither team really getting anything going offensively. UCLA only ran for nine yards. While Utah gained 219 total yards of offense. Nate Johnson, the guy replacing Cam Rising, was 9 of 17 for 117 yards and a touchdown. It wasn't pretty. But that kind of goes to Coach Kyle Winningham's style. He loves a physical style of play, and I'm sure he liked this one. Get out of there with a W, and you actually have a chance now. I think Cam practiced all week, and I even think he was in warmups in the game, and it was like right up to game time, there was a decision made not to go. Maybe another week, maybe another week. Oregon, you know, it, it'll be uh, for Utah, it, it's a quick turnaround though, because they play Oregon State on Friday night in Corvallis. The hopping, hopping place of Corvallis on a Friday night. UCLA will travel to Washington State. Speaking of those two teams, Washington State and Oregon State. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, the battle for the Pac-2 championship. Washington State's Cam Ward is a hell of a quarterback. Threw for over 400 yards. Four touchdowns, three of them to Josh Kelly. The Fresno State transfer made three of them. Highlight catches all day, one-headed grab. He, he had one play It looked like CeeDee Lamb against Texas where he was surrounded by Oregon State defenders, finds his way out somehow, ends up scoring a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, DJ Uyunglele was pedestrian once again. And it's what I've talked about. He's kind of like Justin Fields. 17 of 34, 198 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but ineffective most of the game. And it's what I've been, it's what I saw when he's at Clemson. I don't think he's the guy. He doesn't have it. The ground game was effective, but the defense and the passing attack are going to leave the Beavers vulnerable against some of the higher power teams in the Pac-12. They close out the season with games against Washington and Oregon. So you got Michael Penix Jr., who's right now my Heisman front runner. Oregon, I mean, it's that's some big challenges for this defense and for that offense. I don't know if I, I, Oregon State may may plummet. Maybe the, the the lights were a little too bright for the Beavers. And, and like I said, I think they got a lot of hype going into this year because you had the name of DJ ui at quarterback, what he was supposed to be at Clemson. Now you did finish off with a victory over a Florida team, so you had an SEC victory in the bowl game in the las vegas bowl I, I just i i wasn't impressed with them i wasn't impressed now their offensive line played well but showed that there's some holes in their offensive pass protection but washington state that's a fun team to watch man that washington state washington the apple cup oh my gosh guys you better get ready with Penix and ward slinging it all over the place. that game may take five hours to play but that's gonna be uh for modern day football whoo They're going to be all over the field. Oregon State mentioned Friday night in Corvallis against the Utes. Should be interesting for Washington State. They are off before traveling to UCLA on the (sighs) 7th. Iowa. I I don't even know what to say about Iowa, but Iowa is probably the worst top 25 team I've ever seen play. Cade McNamara was absolutely abysmal. 5 of 14 for 42 yards. The whiteout was too much for the Hawkeyes. They struggled to get anything going. And I mean anything going they lost 31 to nothing to Penn State and again that's another one it wasn't even that close Drew Aller is a star people need to start recognize he's going to be a Sunday player he threw four touchdowns their defense swarmed an overmatched Iowa offense that led to four lost fumbles and a grand total of 76 yards in a game that is made for offenses to do whatever they want to do this team continues to struggle with anything to do with offensive football Kirk Ferentz is like I guess a professor that has tenure and he can't get fired Talk about the nepotism with, you know, Brian Ferentz, his, his son. He had to restructure his contract to even stay on the staff. And, and listen to the pedestrian numbers. If his, They have to average just 25 points a game. That's including defensive touchdowns and special team touchdowns as well. Which they had a defensive touchdown in the 20 points they scored against Iowa State. Luckily, they put 40 up on Western Michigan, who must be one of the worst teams in all of football, period. But to even stay... He's got two things that they have to hit. They have to win seven games, and they have to average 25 points a game. Right now, through four games, they're 3-1, and one, and they average 21.25. And I'm going to tell you a little, where does 25 points a game average? Out of the 133 Division One teams, last year, that would have put them at 85. That's god-awful. And I mean, maybe it's time for Kirk Ferentz to hang it up. I, I don't know, but that was a bad football team. That's the worst top 25 team I've ever seen. And, and, and people could say, you know, there's bad games. I've watched Oklahoma get boat raced in playoff games. And as that was, wasn't because they weren't a bad team. They just played a lot better teams. I was a bad team. I, I, they're not that good. There was some unfamiliar uneasiness around where I live here in Alabama. Fans heading into the match between top 25 teams there in Titletown. Number 15, Ole Miss coming in to take on. The number 13, Crimson Tide. You know, at the beginning of the game, I was like, oh, here we go. Alabama moved the ball but sputtered, had to settle for a field goal. Ole Miss punches it in on a Jackson Dart 10-yard run. I was like, okay, here they go. But Jalen Milrow got the start for the Tide. And from what I've seen from the quarterback group in Tuscaloosa, Milrow is by far the best option for the Crimson Tide and, and for them to have success. He does have to cut down on bad interceptions. The interception he threw what was a bad choice. And again, it's bad choices. But overall, he played solid. You know, on, on the touchdown uh, that he threw, late you know 33 yard strike to Jalen Hale you know he was blasted I mean he took a shot to the rib cage it was laying on the ground you know the trainers are coming out and I was like oh is he hurt because this could be bad you know having to bring Ty Simpson in or, or one of these guys and he was kind of laying on the ground the trainers were around him and all of a sudden he sprung up pumping his fists in the air Ty Simpson comes in to score on a two-point conversion uh, that made it 17-7 Jace McClellan had an early fourth quarter touchdown to cap off his 17 carry, 105-yard day. Lack of pressure from Ole Miss all day. All, I mean, I don't understand what, and now I get why Alabama fans were so upset with with Pete Golding. Now, some of it, I think Caden Proctor played a little bit better, but I didn't see anything creative. I mean, yes, they sacked Milrow four times, and I still, I think they've already eclipsed like the most sacks they've given. I have to double check that stat, but. Just the lack of creativity from Pete Golding when you knew coming into the game, everyone was talking about offensive line weakness and they were struggling, especially on the left-hand side. Bam! ended up with five sacks, two of them by Dallas Turner. He's coming into form. I think he's an exceptional defensive player. Um, I don't think he's as good as Will Anderson, but he's a damn good defensive player. Next for the Tide, Dark Vegas, baby. You know what happens in Dark Vegas. I got a fever. And the only prescription... It's more cowbell. (laughs) Oh, yeah, more cowbell. You're going to hear the cowbells late in Stark Vegas. Alabama travels to Mississippi State for an 8 o'clock kick. They'll be nice and uh, hydrated before that game starts. Let's just say that. Ole Miss, they're going to take on number 13 LSU down in Oxford. And, you know, it's interesting now that the change of who's the best quarterback in the SEC now. I, I don't know. That's going to be it's going to be fun to watch how that develops. I mean the West is wide open now. It's wide open. That LSU Alabama game that's going to be huge. The Nightcap man it was set to be a banger two. Top 10 teams squaring off. Number six, Ohio State traveling to South Bend to take on number nine, Notre Dame and Sam Hartman. Cal McCord trying to prove to everybody he's the answer quarterback for the Buckeyes after a string of really good quarterbacks have come through Columbus. But McCord made good plays down the stretch. A big pass right after an intentional grounding uh, from McCord. Found Mecca Abuka down to the one. Notre Dame struggling, not having enough players on the field. They punch it in. Ohio State wins. Marcus Freeman said he didn't want to me- take the penalty because he had no timeouts, didn't want to give them a half. It was a half yard. It's a half yard. You missed a whole-ass player for a half yard. I'll tip my hat to Ohio State defense. They bottled up Hartman. Hartman only had 175 yards on 17 completions, one touchdown. The ground game you know, had 176 yards on the ground by about four or five different backs, but Eskimi never really got going. I did not like the green uniforms from Notre Dame, and they may be done in the college football playoff race. If you think about it, next for Notre Dame, they've got to go to Duke, could be a loss. You still got Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner coming in, could be a loss. And you still got to go to Clemson, could be a loss. For Ohio State, Maryland's up next, team that's always given the Buckeyes problems in the past with their offense. It could be a high scoring affair. So, I don't know. And what I didn't like, and I've never been a fan of Ryan Day, but after the game, and I want you to listen to this clip. Even his SID, and I think that was who was with him, his sports information director. They're the ones that kind of handle the coaches, move them around, get them ready to go. You can hear him say, you know, take a breath and listen to what he says, Ryan Day, the coach for Ohio State, says, before he starts this rant in his postgame. To hear from his head coach, who's standing by with Catherine Tapper. Yes. Watch this. Coach, you knew this one wasn't going to be easy, but it came down to the wire. And what can you say about the performance from your quarterback, Kyle McCord, to finish that drive? Toughness. Toughness, that's it. Physicality, cross the board, finish it off, having guts. You know, like I like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team? What he said about our team? I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. And it's only world, and it'll continue to be Ohio against the world, but I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. Why did his voice get so cracky? He went up a couple octaves, but you're coming after Lou Holtz. He didn't say anything wrong. Look at the games that you lost. You got drug. You want to know what Lou Holtz said? This is what Lou Holtz said. And you look at Coach Day, and I coached at Ohio State under Woody Hayes. We won the national championship when I was there. That's right. So I'm proud of that. However, <laughs> he has lost to Alabama. Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody that beats them does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take That's all he said. It's a 90-year-old man from the Pat McAfee Show. They're there at South Bend. Really, you're going to attack Lou Holtz? Man, get over yourself, Ryan Day. My picks. For this weekend, my give them a six or six picks. I lost on the over Colorado seven and a half. Oregon did what they needed to do. Colorado didn't. Ole Miss plus six. That was a miss. Notre Dame plus three. It sucks because it was a push. If they didn't have that one second left, I would have won. But they had the one second. So Ohio State got to kick the extra point. I did win Utah minus four and a half over UCLA. Washington State plus the three and the under for the Penn State-Iowa game. But yeah, it was bad 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 bad. But looking at stadium foods around college football, I found a website called Stadium Reviews. I think you need to check it out. It's a great site. Gives you insight on some of the best food, bag policies, parking, all that stuff you need to know. It's a free website. And for all you that are listening out in Oklahoma, Texas, you're coming to the SEC, you can look look up, you know, different, you know, stadiums. It's a great website. But I figured to start off, we're going to start here. Bryant-Denny Stadium, home of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're going to talk a little bit about what they have to eat there. Of course, their fan favorites, you've got hot dogs, pretzels, popcorn, nachos, all that good stuff, beer at any concession. Quick Tide is hot dog, nachos, peanut soda, portable beer carts all over the place. Koneka Corner, which, all right, guys in the Big 12 area, if you've not come out here and had Koneka Sausage, you're going to love Koneka Sausage. Elephant Tusk Sausage, nachos, peanuts, nachos, uh, soda, water, beer, market pad. They've got to grab and go snack and drink stands throughout. Some of the new food, all right? So this is kind of like they're bringing in higher end stuff. Dreamland Barbecue. It's an Alabama staple. Alabama staple. Sausage, barbecues, sandwiches, barbecue, nachos, chips, all that good stuff. Beer, seltzer, wine, Papa Murphy's pizza, Fat Charles. You get tacos, hot dogs, great stuff there. World of beer that there at Bryant Denny Stadium. That's right. A wide selection of beer choices, beer cheese. You gotta love some beer cheese. But the place I'm gonna tell you to go, if you're coming to Bryant Denny Stadium for a game. Now I took my brother here when he came out to Alabama for my wedding four years ago. Chubb Fathers. Chubb Fathers is so good. It's a it was a little restaurant that started in a town called Alabaster, and they just they just great food. Po boys, burgers fries they have stuff called sloppy joe fries it's basically chili fries they call it, you know the sloppy joe chili around it zydeco burger the, the cajun cheesesteak i mean chubb father's is amazing chicken bacon ranch fries chubb father's is the spot okay i mean just think the the chubba burger bacon cheeseburger with american swiss lettuce tomato grilled onion pickles barbecue oh, the zydeco burger Bacon cheeseburger with american cheese swiss cheese lettuce tomato cajun horseradish and onion straws give it to me but man like if you go to their storefront they got a crispy chicken tender sandwich the big boss club they got boneless wings they do tacos too fish tacos chicken tachos loaded tater tots chubb fathers is the spot they have my stamp of approval i love the fact that they're in Brian Denny Stadium. So whenever you come out, that's the place that I'm recommending. You gotta go to Chubb Fathers. When you're at Brian Denny Stadium, that's where you need to go eat. I promise you will not be disappointed. That's going to wrap up another episode. I want to say thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food, and I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.